For those who, didn't, who weren't here last week, um, we, we started a new series of thought, and uh, we're looking at the economy of heaven, or God's economy. The uh, reason being is we're, we're in a financial, the world, that is, you may not be personally, but the world around us is in a financial crisis moment, and um, as a church, across the board, we felt it was a godly thing and a right thing to actually speak to the congregations and to share what God's economy looks like and how we can make our way through what looks like a very difficult year ahead financially um, with the heating going up, with bills and food and everything else going up. Um, how do we survive? How do we get through a very difficult time like this? And, um, you know, so we felt it was really important to teach. We don't often teach for week on week on the um, giving or what it means to give back to God or how to receive from God. And uh, so we, therefore we thought it was the right thing at this pro- present time to do so. If you weren't here last week, and I encourage you to go online, have a look uh, or listen to what I spoke last week. I spoke about being a steward in God's house, um, how we can live generously um, before God, regardless of the circumstances around us. <clears throat> this week... Uh, we're going to look at a different subject. We're going to look at what it means to return to God what belongs to him. Um, primarily, the tithe, what that looks like, how that affects us, what that means to us as individuals, to us as families, to us as a church. So the principle, we're going to look at the principle of tithing or the principle of returning to God. Now, what I would do, if you could just... Put, if you, no, no, that one doesn't pull up. Sorry, you're okay. I was going to say pull it up a little bit, but it doesn't go up. Um, what we're going to do, I, I, what I want, there's part of me that wants to pray, Lord, give us ears to hear. But regardless of what I pray, it's your heart. So what I would ask you to do is right now pray, Lord, give me ears to hear. Not mess around, not do things that are distracting others, not, not just listen to the word. Um, if we don't need everybody at the back there, that would be great. If you could sit in the congregation, that would be helpful as well. So if, if we can just have the sound and the, the media at the back, that would be brilliant. So as a congregation, we've been looking for a couple of weeks at the thoughts regard, regarding biblical economics. And I'm going to use a lot of my notes because I've changed my notes over and over again. Um, and I, even this morning, I thought, no, I'm going to change this um, because I just, I just, it's so important that we hear what I believe the Lord is saying to us. In the, economy, in the economy of the kingdom of God, we see several godly principles of how we give and how we give to God, how we return to God what's his, and tithing specifically with a heart of thanksgiving. You know, if you're giving to God at any time and it's out of compulsion or you feel your arm's been twisted behind your back, go back to the Word of God and see why we give, and it should be from a heart of thanksgiving. The Hebrew word for tithe, or tenth, the Hebrew word for tenth is tithe, or in the Hebrew, masar. Not masur, but masar, okay? Just so, you know, yeah, I can relax. I wish I could have someone relax you while you listen. Because when you talk about the tithe, everyone gets tense. Because they think you're trying to steal from them their money. But it's not 
what that is. A tithe is us giving of 10% of our income, whether that's money or in times past, our fruits, our grains, and our livestock. In some nations, they perhaps still do that. In some areas, they may return a, a tenth of their crop, that may be a tenth of their herd, but here in our nation, it's about finance and returning that to God. Now, let me be open and honest. When I first, when Jane first said to me, Jeff, we need to start tithing, um, I looked for every excuse of why we shouldn't, why we couldn't, and why we wouldn't. But God's word impacted my life in such a way that I realized and saw through God's word what I should and would do. You will always struggle to tithe or to return to God a tenth of your income until you start tithing. It will always be too much, a stretch too far. The economic situation isn't right right now. Or, well, we've got too many children. This is my excuse. We've got too many children growing up. We can't pay the mortgage and I can't put food on the table. That was my excuse for not tithing. I think genuine, a genuine excuse. I didn't have food or the money to pay for food to put on the table. But out of the balance of my life, I knew that God was right. Let God be true and every man or circumstance a liar. And I had to balance my life. Do I trust God with what he said or do I rely on my own ability? Well, my own ability couldn't put food on the table. My own ability doing two jobs was wearing me out. Doing all that I could try and do wasn't meeting ends meet. So I decided that we would trust God and see God provide. And he has. So tithing is an act of thanksgiving in response to God. And it's seen throughout the Old Testament and in the Gospels as Jesus spoke about it. So is the tithe, I ask myself this question, is the tithe a law thing? Is it a church thing? Or is it a con thing? And to be honest, I've heard every variation I think there is out there that people can think about the tithe. I've heard every viewpoint. But I personally, or we personally believe that the principle of tithing is a God thing. And he still honors the tithe. In the economy of the kingdom of God, we're shown biblical truths that we can look at and work with. Or we can do things our own way. I believe we will always do the best thing, or we ought to always do the best thing and see what God's word says and do the God thing, regardless of what that is. So what we're going to do this morning, we're going to, I've got, I think all my scriptures, bar one, maybe two, are all from the New King James. And because of the amount I want to share, I'm not going to turn to them. You can, or they're going to be on the screen. But we're going to start in Matthew. The reason we're going to start in Matthew, because there are many people who say the requirements of tithing are all Old Testament law. And therefore, they do not apply for us today. I'm going to counteract that so that you can see it's not just through the law. And Jesus is speaking and teaching about the fact that it applies. See, if you apply the thought, 
Tithing is the Old Testament, and therefore it doesn't apply in the New. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery. Therefore, if that's Old Testament, maybe I can get away with it today and it doesn't matter. But the truth is that commandment or that requirement of the law was Old Testament and so was tithing. Old Testament. But it still applies today. We can't run around committing adultery and I believe we should go around tithing to God and returning the tithe into his house. So what did Jesus say about tithing? Matthew 23, verse 23. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. I love that. Jesus didn't mince his words, did he? I love that about Jesus. He's straight in there. He said it exactly how it is. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay tithe of mint, anise, and cumin, and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, what Jesus is saying here, he's saying this, you're good because, or you think you're good because you pay your tithes of the smallest amount, which includes your mint, your anise, and your cumin from your herb garden. You think you're doing well. But Jesus goes on to say, but you have forgotten what is important to the lives of the people around you when it comes to justice, mercy, and faith. And Jesus corrects them and says to them, these things you should have done. But he doesn't finish there. These things you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. This isn't an either or. You should have tithed. Or you should have looked after justice, mercy, and faith. This isn't an either or. This is both. You should have been doing both. And I believe what Jesus is saying is just, you know, it's, it's, it's Matthew 23. It's coming close to the end of his life. He could have said, well, it doesn't matter too much about the tithe. It's going to die out come the moment I die. He didn't say that. He said, these things are important. You need to follow through. This is an old covenant truth that needs to filter through my life and I'm saying I'm endorsing tithing and I'm endorsing looking after mercy truth. See, if Jesus was saying, if Jesus was saying the tithe is going to die out, but he still mentioned it, he could have turned around and said, well, mercy, grace, and truth are going to die out. So let's not mention that either. Did mercy, grace, and truth filter through from the Old Testament through to the new? Please give me an answer. Yes, they did. Mercy, grace, and truth, or faith, it came from the Old Testament and is as relevant in the New Testament as what it was in the Old. So why in the comparison would he say, well, mercy, grace, and truth, or mercy, grace, and faith are true here, and so is, is, so is tithing. But on this side, after the cross, only mercy, grace, and faith are true. Both are. And he was highlighting the fact that both are necessary, either side of the cross, in the lives of the believer or those who follow after God. Remember last week, we looked at the moment in our lives, are we stewards or are we managers? 
you know, do we manage our wealth? Is our, is our bank account ours? Is our car ours? Is our house ours? Is the carpet we walk on ours? Is the food that we eat ours? Or does it all belong to God? Because as a steward, everything that we have belongs to God. Everything. If he didn't give us breath, we wouldn't have anything. Come on, let's, let's, let's go to the basic bottom line. If God didn't give you breath, you'd have nothing. True? So the fact that he's given us breath, even the breath in our lungs belongs to him. And that's why his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness, and we give him thanks for it. David recognized, King David recognized, everything that he had accumulated as wealth in his life was God's. And he was just a steward of what God had given him. I want us to look at numerous biblical verses regarding the tithe. For you, for an individual sat here who, who struggles to tithe, this is going to be an uncomfortable service. For those who rejoice and with thanksgiving and return God's tithe, this is just sort of underlining what you've always believed. Because I know there are people in this room who have been so strong on the area of tithe and they've come to me in times past and said, oh, what's up with everybody? Why don't they tithe? I believe in tithing. I've seen tithing. Every time I tithe, even though things have been really tight in my life, God has always come through. And then a few months or years later, they don't tithe. I think who was the voice that changed them when they'd seen God provide, God come through, God minister, God in the hardest times of their life come through for them. And then all of a sudden they change their tact and their mind because they've heard a different teaching. Listen to this. Genesis. This is the law of first mention. The law of first mention is a principle of theology. And it's really important that whenever you see the law of first mention, that it's 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 underlining something that God is wanting to say that is relevant to where we are today. The law of first mention is so important. And this has the law of first mention twice in it. Here we see Genesis 14 verse 18. It says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, pause. Melchizedek is an incredible individual in the Bible. Many, many theologians believe that Melchizedek was Jesus' manifest um, in the flesh, back in the Old Testament where he revealed himself. The Bible's very clear. He had no beginning, no ending. He had no ancestry. He had nothing that would pin him down to any relative anywhere. And he was the king of righteousness and the king of Salem, the king of peace. And that's exactly who Jesus is in our life. But I haven't got time to go through all of this, but we're going to read it. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. First mention of bread and wine. First mention of the covenant that Jesus was going to cut with his people. If this was Jesus in the flesh, which many theologians believe it was, he was revealing a covenant that was yet to be cut in his blood. And it is represented here in this moment when when Abraham gives a tithe back to God. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the Most High, uh, God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And he, Abraham, gave him a tenth of all his spoil. He, gave, he returned to God 
when God gave him victory in the battle, he said, God, I'm returning a tenth to you. It, the story goes on. Please feel free to read it. Genesis 14, verse 18 to 20, and, you can, uh, and, and beyond. And then you can go to Hebrews chapter 7 and read the New Testament, whether it's Paul, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, you'll hear him talking about this same situation. And you'll hear whoever wrote the book of Hebrews say, on earth men give gifts or give their tithes to a human, a natural man, but they are received in heaven by God. So like I've said many, many times, when you give of your tithes, your offerings, please don't give to a person, don't give to an organization, you're not giving to a church, you're bringing your tithes into the household of faith, absolutely, but they are received in heaven by Jesus, or Melchizedek in this case. Someone recently said this to me, you don't see any other evidence of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob tithing, but you do. And this is so important because there are many people who think, well, it only happened once. It was a one-off tithe. It was a one-off situation. No, it wasn't. This is so important. Genesis chapter 28, verse 20 to 22. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, if God be, will be with me, and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on. What is he saying? If God will meet my needs, if God will provide my needs, then I will do this, his vow. In other words, he will provide my needs, therefore I will tithe back to him. So, I, so, uh, so that I come back to my father's house in peace, and then, uh, then the Lord shall be my God. I want you to pay close attention to 20, verse 22. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. Please say that with me. God's house. And of all that you give to me, all you give to me, shall surely I will give a tenth to you. It is there in the Bible. Okay, you see Abraham seemingly do this once. But I believe it was a lifestyle from then on. Here now you see Jacob, and he's saying, because you're going to do this, this is a great moment. This, 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 I, I, this is what came to me this morning as I was going over my word. I thought, I've got to add this. See, th th this is the moment he's running. He's going into the wilderness. He's, he's worn out. He lays down. He gets a rock. He puts down as a pillow, and he lays back on this rock as a pillow. I, I'm sure there were other things that he could have used as a pillow, but he used a rock. Okay. In the, in the night, he's having this dream, and there's a staircase, Jacob's ladder, going from heaven to earth, and he's seeing angels ascending and descending and ascending and descending, and he wakes up in the morning and he says, God was in this place, and I didn't know it. There are some who sit here week after week after week, and God is in this place, but you don't know it. You don't encounter him. You don't experience him. But God is in this place where two or three are gathered in my name. See, I take the promises of God as yes and amen. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Here, he stood up a stone and he said, this is the house of God. Do you know what the place was? Bethel. It was Bethel. 
I saw it, I remembered it, and I thought, this is the same moment. This is the same moment. He changed the name of the place from Luz to Bethel, the house of God. That is where the tithe is meant to come. Into the house of God. He couldn't say it any clearer or any plainer. And it wasn't a one-off. It wasn't a one-off with Abraham. It wasn't a one-off with Isaac. It wasn't a one-off with Jacob. Jacob said, and this stone which I have set as a pillar. This is the house of God. And it is set as a pillar in Bridgemary. That, the, that those who are of likeness, like hearted people come together where those who are yet to know Jesus can come in. This is a pillar and it shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. That is an ongoing present tense. I will continue giving to you. You give me grain this year, I'll give you grain at the end of it. You give me herds and I will give you a tenth of my herds. You give me fruit off the trees, I will give you an offering of fruit. You give me finance and I will return the finance to you. It was a tenth of all he had. Leviticus 27, 30. Of all the tithes, sorry, and all... The tithes of the land, whether that is of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Why are we playing with, what, with that which is holy before God? How, how? That is not mine. It is God's. It is holy before the Lord. The first tenth of what I earn, the first tenth of my income. You, you know, there'd be someone now sitting there thinking, well, is that off the top or is that after tax? You can decide what you think is the first fruit of your increase. But I always, we have always given off the top, and that's a personal decision. Why? Because it is holy to the Lord. If it's holy to the Lord, what am I doing touching what's God's? We know that the book of Malachi was written to address the hypocrisy and the infidelity and the sinful behavior of God's people who refuse to receive his word and the truth in their lives. And this is what happens in Malachi. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8, you all knew I'll get there eventually. Will a man rob God? You will only be able to rob God if you're taking what is already God's. True? You can't rob God of something that is not his. But the Bible's very clear. The tithe, or the first part, is holy unto the Lord. Therefore, if it's holy unto the Lord and we're taking it, we're robbing God. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me but you say, in what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. The storehouse in Bible times were the chambers along the side of the temple where they would put the tithe, the grain or whatever it was, and it was stored. This place today is the place where we worship and where we are spiritually fed. If you're spiritually fed and you come to this church, then the tithe and the offering should come into the household of God. It shouldn't be sent home. I know that's really tough 
to say that. The tithe is the Lord's and it should come into the, tithe, into the storehouse. There are num- there are, I, I know there are a number of people and they send their tithe back home to their home church. No, it's the church in which you are being fed and that you're in relationship and where you're connected. If we get the order right, if we get all the pegs in the right hole, guess what? I'm going to read it. Don't guess. This is what the Lord says. That there may be food in my house and try me. That word is try is test. Do you know what? Every time you get a paycheck, every time you get your wage at the end of the month, you are in a test. What will you do with your tithe? Are you passing the test? If you're not passing the test, I'm hoping that I'm helping you to pass the test. It's like being in a school exam and and the teacher's doing all they can to help you pass the test. That's what I'm hoping to try and do for everyone in this room, that we pass the test every month. Because there may be a month and you say, well, we've not got enough this month to pay the mortgage or the bills. Do you know what? That is where we trust God. We did it for how many years? 10, 12, 14 years. Not months, years. We had to trust God. We were 40 pounds a week, 40 pounds a month down. Every month. 40 pounds back then would have been enough to pay for a week shopping nearly. But we were down, but we trusted God and God provided. It wasn't the, the ravens and the crows and whatever else from the sky, but it was, it was individuals who didn't know our circumstances. People, would, people at the end of a prayer meeting would come up to us and say, we'd like to buy you a double oven. But that wasn't from God's tithe. That was out of their abundance of their offering. They brought their tithe into the house of God. They didn't spend God's tithe. That's not theirs to spend. That's theirs to return. Then there's the abundance that we live on and we give. He says, prove me. Prove me now, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. How many of you would like some of that? There wouldn't be enough room to receive it. Now, either God is true or he's a liar. Either what Jesus was saying, which he was saying regarding grace, mercy, and faith, filled it through to the New Testament, as well as the tithe filled it through to the New Testament, or we're believing a lie. I know God has turned our situation and our life around and we've had so much more than what we would ever have had if I was trying to make it happen. We would not be where we are today. He says, try me and prove me in this, says the Lord. If I will not pour out such a blessing that will not be enough room to receive it and I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. I wonder how many of us are rebuking the devourer over our finances. Maybe your car's broken down. You're saying, I I just rebuke the enemy who keeps on breaking my car. You wouldn't have to do it if you tithe. The Bible says God will rebuke the devourer for you. God is rebuking the devourer for you when you do what God has asked you to do. See, giving is faith and obedience. 
Sometimes we just want to release our faith and say, God, I'm trusting you, but we're trusting you. Like I said last week, there's people that in a prayer meeting who have come forward and said, oh, could you pray over my finances? I just want to ask the question, are you trusting God with your tithe, with your giving, with your increase, with your generosity, with your sowing? Are you trusting God with your finance? Are you trusting what he's saying is the way in which it will happen? We can't bypass God's order. Order was placed. The planets are in order. That's why I don't spin out of, out of their particular orbits because they've been placed in order. There is an order on this earth. Man may be trying to change the order, but there is still an order on this earth. And do you know what? When Jesus spoke about the tithe, when the Old Testament law spoke about the tithe, and beyond that, when Abram and Isaac and Jacob spoke about the tithe, there was an order. It's to return it back to God. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Not for his sake, for your sake. I think it's just amazing. Yes, this, the, the people in Malachi were in rebellion against God, wouldn't believe his word. How, where are we in this equation? Are we believing his word? Are we rejecting what he's saying? The purpose of tithing is to teach us to always put God first in our lives. One more scripture in this area. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. Is he talking about the house of God? For them back then, it could have been the temple, could have been the synagogue, could have been the, the tabernacle. But for us, this is where his name resides. He says, and you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where, you, where he chose, chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of your firstborn, of your heads and, and of your flocks. That you may learn to fear the Lord God always. To fear him, to be in awe, to be in wonder, to have complete respect and honor for his word. That what his word says is true and therefore I will honor him with the first fruit of all my increase. You know, just to say here right now, Jane, Jane and I have tithed for 30 odd years. We've tithed when we couldn't afford it. We tithe now that we can afford it. We've tithed for all those years. The senior leadership of Family Church as a whole tithe. Every one of them. So we're not asking you to do something that I don't do or that the senior leadership of Family Church don't do. We all tithe and give back to God or return to God our tithe. I believe God still honors those who tithe. You may say, oh, it's a law thing. Oh, it's an Old Testament thing. Oh, it's what Jesus said before the cross thing. But it even mentions it in Hebrews again, that the tithe is brought before man, but received in heaven. I believe returning a tithe or a tenth is so important to our life. 
But it's important that we do it with a heart of thanksgiving. Not as a debt that we owe or a tax that we need to pay. It's with a heart. God, you've given me everything. I'm going to return a tenth to you. He says, you do that, I'll open the windows of heaven. You can't lose for winning. But it does take faith and trust and obedience. In the New Testament, our giving or returning of our finances to God can be described as wholehearted giving. Now, you won't find the words wholehearted giving in the New Testament. It's what I'm labeling it, all right? Just in case there's anybody listening and you say, oh, it doesn't say that in the Bible. No, I know. But it is the attitude and the mindset of the heart of the believer. Wholehearted giving. Wholehearted giving makes tithing look very attractive. Because it's not just a tenth. It's everything. It is every area. It is all that we have. We give to him. Because we recognize it's his already. Acts chapter 2. Verse 42, this is the opening passage really of how the church was established and how it was going to look from now on in. And it says in Acts 2, 42, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. This is what they were teaching the early church. Um, So they continued in the uh, apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. If you are part of a church that doesn't do any of those four, then you're in a church that is not honoring God. There's got to be apostles' doctrine. There's got to be fellowship. There's got to be breaking of bread. And there's got to be prayer. Those elements are a part of our congregation and a part of the church that we're a part of. Then verse 43 says, Then fear came upon every soul, And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all, say all. All. Okay, I'm not quite sure everyone said it. I want you to be included here, okay? Now all who believed were together. Okay, all. That's every, uh, every last one of us, all right? Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. That means... Fill your super-duper ride-on lawnmower that you don't have, but that super-duper ride-on lawnmower is no longer yours. It's Stephen's. I don't know what you'll do with it in a flat, but there we go. There's no garden. That yacht, Simon, that I, you wish you had, is now Phil's. Another Phil, not that Phil. It's this Phil's. Do you see what it's, it's no, no longer, it's no longer yours or mine, it's ours. Everything that we once held dear has now been given for all. You, you think tithing, giving to God a tenth is hard. Carl, <laughs> I know you drive a digger, but I want the digger. All right? I'll have your digger because I need it for a few months. Alan, I don't know if you've still got a snooker cue, but I would like your snooker cue because it's not just yours. 
Can you see what New Testament giving looks like? Feel that really precious guitar that you absolutely adore. I want it. Oh, can you imagine what it would sound like in my hands? <laughs> Doing. But it's no longer yours to say no. It's ours. That is New Testament giving. Let me read it again. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Do you know what? So they continued daily with one accord in the temple, the house of God, and breaking bread from house to house. That's our connect groups. They came together as a whole church. If you're staying away from church for whatever reason, if you're not attending a church for whatever reason, then you're not fulfilling the word of God that was stated at the beginning of the church. You need to get back into the house of God wherever that will be. Because you're not obeying the word. The word of God says, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple, which is the house of God, and breaking bread from house to house, doing small groups. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added, daily, uh, added to the church daily those who were being saved. Because this isn't the church. We are the church. When he adds to the church daily, it means you're going out and you're witnessing to your friends, your neighbors, your work colleagues, who the whosoever. You know, we were out for a nice little walk the other day and we just, we, Jane stopped this lady and just shared the love of God with her. That's, that's what we do. That's what we are. That's what we're meant to be. Just daily sharing our faith with those who are around us. And adding to the church. It's not, oh, I'm going to bring my friend to church so that he can get saved. That's wrong teaching. It's where we grow together in the Bible. It's where we have discipleship together in the Bible. Absolutely. But it's each one bringing and walking with someone to see them saved. And God was adding to the church daily those who are being saved. The New Testament model of giving move beyond the tithe or the giving back a tenth to a lifestyle of wholehearted giving. God, it's all yours. Rob, if I came to you and I said, Rob, look, I'm sorry, mate, I need a thousand pounds. It's not yours to say no. Jerry, you drive a nice little run-around car. I need a run-around car. I'll come and get the keys right now. Everyone else saw that. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It actually takes our 10% return of our tithe to God seem like pittance if we really began to live like the New Testament church is meant to. Them returning their 10%. I believe they still tithed. I believe they still gave. I believe they saw the abundance of God's provision in their life. Jesus didn't say grace, mercy, and faith will stop here. 
He said, no, that will filter through into the new. I believe the tithe, as he was addressing it at the time, he was talking about it here. I believe it carried on through to here. And it's still relevant today. Mercy, grace, mercy, and faith. We teach on faith. We teach on mercy. We teach on the grace of God. It is still relevant to us today. And so is your tithe. We're going to carry on these thoughts next week. We're not going to talk about the tithe. We're going to continue to talk about what wholehearted giving looks like. Now, if you're not here, I know that it was too much for you to bear. (laughs) What a way to put it. What a way to put it. I'm naughty. Naughty me. If you're going away on holiday, I accept that. If If you've got a broken leg, we'll come and pick you up. Let me say this one last thing. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? You've heard what I've said, but I believe I've heard what God said. Today is probably, for me personally, probably the most difficult message I have ever preached because I know the consequences that this word can have. But it could also have another effect and be the most productive word that I've ever preached so what is the Holy Spirit saying to you because the Holy Spirit will confirm the word in our life I may be able to share the word with passion and with what I believe truth but what is the Holy Spirit saying to you Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you. I need to go back and look at our tithe because we've not put our tithe up for a number of years because we've not had a pay rise for a number of years. But there was an adjustment to our wages this year because of the... the, Yeah, the, the national living wage thing. So we need to go back and look at our finance and adjust it to where we are today. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Don't don't sit there and say, well, this is what I've always believed. Go and check the word. Go and re-listen to the message. Don't say, well, I've already made up my opinion. I'm not going to do that. That could be rebellion if you're not asking the Holy Spirit to lead you. Ask the Holy Spirit, what does this message mean for me personally? Looking around the room, I think I know everybody in the room, so we're not going to pray the prayer of salvation today, but we are going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that my tongue is a pen of a ready writer. You know my heart and what I pray on a regular basis. And I pray, Father, that you continue to reveal revelation, continue to reveal a confirmation of your word in my heart. And I ask, Lord, that in this room, you would speak to every heart and every life. Lord, we do not give to you to get, but we do give out of a heart of thanksgiving and of obedience. And Lord, you said that you would bless us if we did so. 
So, Father, I thank you for what you give back to us because we line up with your word. I, we are forever grateful for your provision in our lives and in our home because you have always honored us as we've honored you. And I pray this day, Holy Spirit, you will take the words of my mouth and the words that have dropped into the ground of the heart and you will confirm your word in each of our lives. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. I'm now... Thank you.